With each new year, most people resolve to make some kind of change. This year, why not change something truly meaningful? Your perspective on life. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah challenges you to see life as more than just a series of random events, but as a story written and revealed by God. With another special message for the new year, here's David to introduce Writing Your Story. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, You know, we do write our story, whether we like it or not, whether we're involved in it or not. The story is being written, but how much more effective life becomes when we participate in the writing of our own story, when we talk with the Lord about what's next and where he's taking us and what happened today and how it affects what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, I remember when I started a journal, I was going through uh, cancer and somebody told me I should keep a journal. I'd never done that before. And I used to joke with people that I always thought journaling was for women or mystics. So I wasn't either one and didn't know what to do with that. One day I read a a book by uh, an old friend of mine. And in this book, he talked about how he journaled in his computer. And I began to do that during my bout with cancer. It was so meaningful to me. I still have all of those journal entries. Periodically, I go back and read them. And I realize God was leading me even during that difficult time And uh, you need to enter into this new year knowing that there's a path set before you. The Bible says there's a path of the just and the path of the wicked. I hope you're on the path of the just and that you're letting the Lord guide and direct you as you enter into 2022. Before you get there, however, I hope you will do one last thing in 2021 for us. I hope you will make sure you've given a special year-end gift to this ministry. December is really an important time for us. It's our in-gathering month. And um, when you send your gift, it means so much as we enter into the new year uh, with our hands up high, ready to face the challenges of the new year. When you do that, be sure and ask for your copy of the Leather Devotional that we feature every year during the month of December. This year's edition is called Every Day with Jesus. It's 365 devotionals in a beautiful leather-covered uh, devotional book. It's five and a quarter by seven and a quarter, 390 pages. Beautiful tan and blue hand-stitched leather on the front with silver embossed letters, gilded edges on the pages, color on almost every page, but most of all, writings to help you get started every day. It's our way of saying thank you for your gift of any size to Turning Point in these last couple of days of 2021. Well, let's take part one of writing your story. This is what you might call a transition Sunday. We're moving away from the holiday season into the regular routine of January. We're moving out of one year into a new year. It's always an interesting Sunday to think about and contemplate. And I always love preaching on this Sunday because there's a sense in all of our hearts that we're at a place where we can start over. We can begin again. We can look at something new. And I hope that that's what's in your heart, for that should be true of all of us. In John Eldridge's little book called Epic, he talks about how life doesn't come like a math problem, and you can solve it like an equation into which you plug right numbers and get the right answers. Instead, he said, we should look at life as a story. 
Waking up each day is like turning the page in the story of our life. We don't know what characters will make an appearance or what will happen or how the plot will thicken. We don't know over a year's time how a chapter will end, whether it will be dramatic or funny or calamitous. We just have to live out our life one day at a time and be ready for the story to unfold. Fortunately, Eldridge says, regardless of how our story turns out on any given day, month, or year, we can read ahead and we can see how the story of our life turns out in the end. We were born into a story that God is telling and the most dramatic story in history, an epic of godlike proportions. We have a part to play in God's story of the ages and it's our calling to find our part and play our part to the fullest. That's what goes through our minds during these days. We realize we've finished one chapter and a new chapter is about to start. God's story is the story of good and evil. And in recent years, we've seen the struggle of good against evil being played out on our television screens almost every night. Hard to go through a day without being reminded that evil is a very real presence and very much a part of God's epic story. Even here in the United States, our population is divided basically down the middle between opposing political views. Everywhere we look, there are forces battling with one another for control of power and influence. The Bible uses a lot of metaphors to describe God's story. It's the story of spiritual life. Paul calls this story a race. In another place, he refers to it as warfare. And in Philippians 2.15, Paul reminds us that this story is a story of Well, good and evil that can be thought of as light and darkness. There's a lot of ways to look at the story, a lot of metaphors in the Bible for the story. But of all the metaphors for God's story in the Bible, I believe that the best one is the journey. Truly pictures the progressive unfolding of one stage of life into another. We're on a journey together. This is God's story, and the story is about a journey. And in the text that we're going to look at today in Proverbs chapter 4, we will see the journey play out in this metaphor. Let me read this passage of Scripture. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. How many of you know that when you're reading the Bible, if you have already discovered something in the Bible that you're sensitive to, all of a sudden you start seeing it on every chapter at every page. So if you think about the journey and you read the Bible with that in mind, you're going to find it illustrated everywhere. And there's some critical passages in Psalms and Proverbs uh, where the writer saw a journey along the path as a perfect picture of our journey through life with God. Why a path? Well, because a path has a beginning and it has an ending. And you have to journey along that path, and that's what life is like. There are obviously many paths to choose from in life, and the one we choose determines our ultimate destination, either life or destruction. In the New Testament, we're told there's a broad way and a narrow way. And the broad way seems like the right way because so many people are on the broad way, but the Bible tells us if you get on the broad road, it will take you to the wrong destination. The destination of the broad way is destruction and death. But the Bible goes on to say there's a narrow way, 
and the narrow way leads to life. Where you end up depends a lot upon what journey you take. If you get on the broad road, you're going to go to destruction. If you get on the narrow road, you will end up in life. Pastor Derek Thomas says that the narrow path is the best path. The Christian life, he says, is a road trip, a journey of the most exhilarating kind. It has a starting point and a terminus. It is a metaphor of movement. Christians do not stay in one place too long, for they are set for another location. Early Christians referred to themselves as followers of the way. In other words, they understood they were on a journey, a reflection that determined that they followed a different path. There's something exciting about the Christian journey. I've thought about that a lot recently because I've been on this journey for a long time. And I have to tell you, it's one of the most exciting journeys. I can't imagine living my life any other way that I've lived it in following the Lord and his direction in what I do. New glimpses of God's provision are available, and we've seen many of them during these days. We've heard stories about how God has helped you along the journey when you didn't expect that to happen. But we can be assured that on this journey, nothing happens to us that is unknown to God. And the Bible says everything is sifted through his hands. He knows the journey. He knows where the journey ends because he's made that happen. But along the way, he knows what's going on with us as well. Sinclair Ferguson used to end his sermons with an exclamatory. He used to say, isn't it wonderful to be a Christian? That's how he ended every sermon. I wonder if you feel that way. Isn't it wonderful to be a Christian? I can't imagine not knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that ultimately God is there and he's going to help us through this rough part of the journey we have been experiencing. So today we're going to talk about this journey from these two verses in Proverbs 4. I won't spend a lot of time on each point, but I want to tell you five things about your journey from Proverbs chapter 4. First of all, your journey has a definite beginning. Every journey starts somewhere. They don't just happen. You don't just show up one day and you're on a road. You get on that road. You on-ramp to that road. Our journey toward God begins when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. That's when you begin your walk with God. Until you know Jesus Christ, you're not on the journey toward heaven. But when you accept Christ, you begin to walk along a path that's illuminated by the light of his presence. And that journey begins with one thing, the conviction of sin. Have you ever thought about that? Why are you a Christian today? Because one day in the past, you realized that you were a sinner. All of us are sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you know there are no exceptions to that statement? Nobody's ever going to show up one day and say, oh no, I haven't sinned. I've had people tell me they don't sin, they make mistakes. But (laughs) no, no, that doesn't work. You have to understand that your journey toward God begins when you acknowledge that you're a sinner. John 3, 19 says this, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Here Jesus is saying that if you practice sin, you don't like the light. Have you ever noticed that? Did you know that most of the crimes that occur, occur at night? Why is that? Because people like to do things they shouldn't do under the cover of darkness. When you 
walk in darkness and all of a sudden the light shines, you either get on board with the light or you feel very uncomfortable and you head for the hills. Because when the light shines, it exposes the darkness. It exposes your sin. And that's what happens when your journey begins. One day you're walking along feeling pretty good about yourself and all of a sudden you realize that you're out of sync with God and things aren't right and you know that it's because of what you're doing and the things that you're experiencing and the thoughts that you're having. And something inside of you tells you that's not the way it's supposed to be. You know what that is? That's conviction. The Bible tells us that the Spirit of God has come into the world to convict us of sin. And that's what happens. It's amazing to me as a pastor over these many years to preach and have people come to Jesus and then have them come and tell me after they came to Jesus, after they became Christians, you know, I don't do this anymore. I don't do that anymore. I stopped doing this. I don't go here. I used to go there. And I think, well, I haven't preached on any of that. What's going on? Well, you see, when you become a Christian, the Bible says God gives you a special gift. It's called the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the first name of the Holy Spirit is holy? (laughs) And when he comes to live within your heart, he begins to develop within you a sensitivity to life that's based upon righteousness and not sinfulness. And so you become sensitive to things you never were sensitive to before. And you begin to walk in conviction. The Bible says that along this way you meet a compassionate Savior who came into the world to be light and show you the way. And so with your conviction of sin and your compassion from the Savior, you meet the Lord Jesus Christ, who said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I met a young woman several months ago coming off of a life on the streets in our area. She'd been living on drugs on the street for three years, and she just couldn't get free. Then someone told her about Jesus, and her life changed. In an amazing way, she went from darkness to light almost overnight. Her family hardly recognized her when they first saw her after her recovery. She told me, nobody really understands what Jesus can do. I am what Jesus can do. And many of us could give that testimony ourselves. Dr. Francis Collins is the director of the National Institute of Health and one of the most widely respected physicians in the world. He's been on the front lines in trying to contain the coronavirus pandemic, and I've been reading about him. Recently, he sat down with the Atlantic and described the beginning of his journey with Christ. And it was a whole different way than this young lady, but it was the same thing. How he moved from being an atheist to a believer. Collins, growing up, had religious instruction. Here it was. His parents sent him to the corner church because they wanted him to be in the choir. That's all he knew. His dad told him, go sing in the choir and don't pay any attention to anything else that happens. Just sing in the choir. We want you to learn to sing. So that's what he did. And he went to college and he graduated and he found himself slowly moving from the category of an agnostic, which means he didn't know for sure if there was a God, to the category of an atheist, which means he was pretty sure there wasn't any God. He didn't believe there was a God. But the time came when, as a third-year medical student, he was no longer learning about the human body in a lecture hall. He wasn't studying medicine. He was beginning to practice it. And he was sitting at the bedside of people with terrible illnesses and trying to comfort them. And he realized how unprepared he was for that because he didn't know what to say to them. The turning point for him was when he became attached to a patient 
who reminded him in their conversations of his need. In fact, this woman reminded him of his grandmother, and she was suffering from advanced cardiac disease, which included almost everyday episodes of extreme pain. And yet she came through this all with remarkable peace and was very comfortable sharing the reasons for that. Dr. Collins said she would often tell me the reason I got through that was because of Jesus, who lives in my heart. At one point after one of those sharing moments, she looked at Collins in a quizzical way and she said, you know, doctor, you've listened to me talk about my faith, but you never say anything. What do you believe? You know, the Bible says we should always be ready to give an answer to those who ask us concerning our faith. That was an epic moment for that doctor. That direct, simple question was like a thunderclap to him. Most important question he'd ever been asked, what do you believe? I want to ask you that question this morning. What do you believe? Collins later met a pastor who introduced him to C.S. Lewis. He began to read C.S. Lewis's writing, who was an Oxford scholar who at one time had been an atheist himself. And as he watched God work through the writings of C.S. Lewis in his life, he became a Christian. He eventually found, at the age of 27 years of age, Jesus Christ and revolutionized his life. So whether you're a young lady coming off the street because of drugs or you're an intellectual doctor, it's all the same. In reality, what you need is Jesus Christ. Your journey begins with Jesus. And I want to ask you today, as you face these next months, are you going into the new year with Jesus in your life? If you're not, you need to really understand that the journey you're on right now is not going to take you very far in the direction you want to go. The journey begins in a definite way. And then our journey takes us to difficult places. How many of you know that? Haven't we been through some of those this year? People always ask me, why are Christians going through trouble? Well, we're all human. We live on this earth. We're walking on the earth. And because there's light shining on our path doesn't mean it's always going to be smooth. Many new Christians are surprised when they become Christians and all of a sudden their life becomes complicated. But anyone who's been on the path for a few years will tell you the path is difficult. Listen to what Proverbs says. It says the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. That's what happens to those who are outside of Christ. But how many of you know that the way of the righteous can also be like that? After you become a Christian, your problems don't get solved altogether. In fact, most people tell me, and I seem to remember this to some degree myself, when you become a Christian, you get a few problems you didn't have before. You know, you didn't ever have any argument with the devil before you got saved. You just did what he wanted you to do. But now you know better. You got the Holy Spirit living within you, and he's making you very uncomfortable. And all of a sudden, you've got this thing going on inside of you, this internal struggling, because God wants you to walk with him you know, I always tell people that when you get saved, you don't lose your old nature. Some people think, oh, well, I got saved. I got a new nature. Now I don't have an old one. Oh, yes, you do. You have an old nature. And if you don't believe that, ask your wife or your husband. They'll tell you, you still have the old nature. But you have the new nature. In the past, you couldn't do anything but follow the enemy. Now you've got a new nature that enables you to follow God. And when you choose to follow God, you're walking a new path. The path of light is not easy. Would you rather be on a wide path filled with lots of people stumbling in the darkness or on a narrow path with just a few people walking in the light? That seems like an easy choice. The wisdom literature of the Old Testament advises us to take the path of light. 
Listen to Proverbs 4, 11, and 12. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. That's a good one to remember. Psalm 37 puts it this way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. These passages are not saying that the path of light is trouble-free. It doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't teach that. But they are saying that you will not walk alone on that path, that God is watching you all along the way. If you're going to get discouraged the first time you hit a rough place on the path, you're going to have a frustrating journey. So when you face these challenges, face them with God and know that he's going to help you through them. And don't be surprised if you're a Christian that you have trouble. In Touching the Heart of God, Catherine Marshall tells this wonderful story about a very important lesson she learned from her friend Marge. Marge was bound for Cleveland, waiting for a takeoff. As she settled into her seat, this lady, Marge, noticed a strange phenomenon. On one side of the airplane, a sunset suffused the entire sky with glorious color. But out of the window next to her seat, all she could see was a sky that was dark and threatening with no sign of a sunset at all. If you've ever been in an airplane, that can happen depending upon how it's positioned. As the plane's engines began to roar, Marge said she imagined God encouraging her with these words. You have noticed the windows beneath the roar and thrust of takeoff. Your life will contain some happy and some beautiful times, but also some dark shadows. Here's a lesson I want to teach you to save you much heartache, said Marge. This is God speaking in her heart. This is what she thought God was saying to her. It doesn't matter which window you look through. This plane is going to Cleveland. So it is in your life. You have a choice. You can dwell on the gloomy picture. You can focus on the bright things and leave the dark, ominous situations to God. God is saying to you, if you're a Christian, you're going to see some dark things and you're going to see some bright things, some things that encourage you and some things you wonder about. But just give thanks to God. Your plane is going to heaven. You're on the right plane and you're going to face things along the way, like this woman said about her airline flight. I think that's a great lesson for us all to learn. Because some of us may have been so oblivious to what the Bible teaches about this that we're blown off course when we have problems. I know a lot of Christians who have questioned their faith. But we should not do that because the Bible doesn't teach us that as believers we're going to bypass all of the issues. Wouldn't it be strange to think that only people who didn't get sick were Christians? That didn't happen, and it will never happen. But the difference is, if you're a Christian, you have an understanding about all this that no one else can have. You know that God is with you. You know you're headed to heaven. You know that you're going to be all right because God has given you his promise. Amen. He's the difference maker. God is. He is there to help you, whatever you're going through. I know some of you come to the end of the year a little discouraged. Maybe you've had a tough year. You know, all of us have had kind of a tough year, given everything that's happened around us. But even in the difficulty, we have been able to see the hand of the Almighty. I hope that's been true for you. You know, you'll never see it if you don't look for it. If you just let life run over you like a truck, you'll miss everything. But if you stop for a moment and just reflect 
on how God has been there for you, you'd be surprised how many places where you thought, well, this is certainly going to be very difficult, or this might be the end of all this, and God was there. I always tell people that what I learned when I was going through cancer is that God is enough, and He is. He always has been, and He always will be. Hey, don't forget, before uh, we say our final goodbye today, to take one more look at the Holy Land Tour. We're going to the Holy Land in March of this next year, the 22nd of March through the 1st of April. It will be a trip that will change your life, a trip to remember. I hope you'll take the time to examine it and reflect on it. See if maybe God wants you to come. I hope you'll look at it. And uh, we'll see you right here tomorrow for the Friday edition of Turning Point. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series of special messages for the new year, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new 365-day devotional for 2022, Every Day with Jesus. It's filled with daily encouragement for 2022, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with helpful notes and articles from decades of study by Dr. Jeremiah. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we conclude our special messages for the new year on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. We hear and use the word enthusiasm quite often, but I'll bet most people don't know what it meant originally. Enthusiasm comes from a compound Greek word that meant having a God within. In fact, when the word enthusiasm first appeared in English in 1603, it was used to mean being possessed by a God. That bit of background on the word enthusiasm makes me think of Colossians 3.23, which says, 
And whatever you do, do it heartily or enthusiastically as to the Lord. After all, it is God living within the Christian that should result in an enthusiastic life. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons for enthusiasm on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.